Today we are wrapping up our series called Cadence, where we've been discovering over the past couple weeks that God has sort of a, a rhythm, a cadence, a pace that he would have us to go in our lives, because there's many things in the world that, that get us going just too fast or sometimes even too slow, and it gets us out of just sort of this perfect rhythm and pace that God would have for us. So what we looked at back in week one of the series is that God in his creation got into a rhythm, didn't he? He's like, let there be light, and there was light, and he's like, let there be plants and animals and the sun and the moon and the stars, and he's just got this sort of rhythm going as he is creating. And then what we discovered is his final creation was us, human beings. But he said this very interesting little phrase. He said, let us make man in our image. And so since God is a God of cadence, God is a God of rhythm and has this pace, and we're made in his image and likeness, we should do the same thing. We should have this cadence that we live our lives by. And so back in week one, what we looked at then is some of the things that sort of get us off track of the way that God designed us and, and how to prevent those things in our lives. And then in week two of the series, we looked at the biological rhythms that God has wired all of us up with. Specifically, we looked at those things called circadian rhythms of how God has put within us this 24-hour cycle that sort of helps us to stay in tune with who he is and what he would have us to do in our lives. And then last week, we looked at relational rhythms and, and the cadence that God would have for us and, and having these interactions with other people because that's a part of how he designed us, because that's, again, who he is. We're made in his image and likeness, so we're created for relationships, not just with God, but with other people as well. And so we looked at those barriers that sometimes keep us from living the authentic community that God would have for us. Now, today, as we wrap up this uh, series here, I want to start with a story. So I, I think you probably have assumed this by now, but when I was growing up, I was always the smallest little boy. I mean, I was just a tiny little thing. But what I lacked in size, I made up in speed and athleticism. So in the fifth grade, I was the only kid in my entire elementary school that actually got the Presidential Physical Fitness Award. And it was a pretty big deal to get that. The school sort of honored me for that. And I got my certificate signed by Ronald Reagan, you know, and it was an exciting thing. So I was just this little small thing, but man, fast and, you know, on the, on the uh, playground and everything, you know, we would race and at recess, we'd be racing in gym class. They'd get us like on the basketball court, you know, and you'd race from one side to the other. And man, I'd be like right there, ready, right? I'm ready, set, go. And I would take off like a flash, right? And I would just sprint full out until I went. And I like won every single time. Now let's fast forward one more year. It's now the sixth grade. I'm in middle school. And our middle school, for whatever reason, I'm not even sure why they decided to do this. They took us all on a sort of, it was a combination field trip slash fun day to another local middle school. So we combined these middle schools together, but part of it was we also had like a track and field event. And so this particular middle school, they actually had a real track and it was my first time ever on a real track. And so I signed up for the 400 meter dash. Now 400 meters is one lap around the track. Again, I've never been on a track before and the only thing I know to do when a gun goes off or somebody says go, is you just sprint as hard as you can. So I sign up for this race. There I am, ready, set, go. And I'm sprinting. You know, I'm going as fast as I possibly can. I get around the first turn. I'm around the second turn. I'm laughing at the other kids. They are so far behind me, these little suckers. They, what are they doing? And so we're going down the back stretch, and I'm starting to get a little fatigued. <laughs> 
breathing sort of heavy. And as we come around the third turn and then the, the final turn, my legs are feeling like jelly. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm going in slow motion. As the other kids start to pass me one by one by one. Now, what do I do? Because I'm so competitive, I'm like, I've got to go faster and I've got to try harder. So I try harder and harder and faster and faster. But you know what happened? I ended up having an asthma attack and I collapsed right there on the track. And I helplessly watch as every single kid, even the walkers, Right? You remember the walkers in gym class? Even the walkers passed by me. <laughs> and they all finished, and I was the only one that didn't. It was in that moment that I learned the meaning of the old phrase, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that's what I want to talk to you about today as we wrap up this Cadence series. Because what I've been trying to share with you throughout the series is, look, this isn't about getting the right rhythm and cadence just for one day of your life. No, this is something you need to get it going at a, a good pace so that you can do it for days and weeks and months, years and decades and decades to come so that you can actually get to the finish line and hear those words that we all want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. All of us want to win that prize at the end. We can't be like me and go at this unsustainable pace and collapse before we get to the end. And so that's what we're going to look at here today as we wrap up the series. Now, what I want to do to help you in that is look at some words from like a man that knew he was at the end of his life. He knew this is it. He, he's ready to die. And the words come from none other than the great apostle Paul. And Paul knows, again, that he's at the end uh, of the race, and he's writing to his young disciple, a guy by the name of Timothy. Here's what he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. He says, The time of my death is near. I have done what I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The prize that shows I have God's approval is now waiting for me. The Lord, who is a fair judge, will give me that prize on that day. He will give it not only to me, but also to everyone who eagerly is waiting for him to come again. Such powerful words there from Paul. And what I want to do today is I want to focus on that middle verse. Verse 7, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith what I want to suggest to you today is that if those three things are present in your daily life, every single day, you're fighting the good fight. You're prepared to, to finish the race, and you're keeping the faith. Then you're going to get not just to the end of life, but you're going to get there in the way that God designed you, and you will hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So uh, what does fighting the good fight and, and, and finishing the race and keeping the faith. What does that actually look like? What, let's break it down. Number one on your outline, very easy, taking notes today. Number one, I must fight the good fight. Now, what kind of fight is Paul talking about here? Like, is he in the UFC or what? You know, what, what's he training for? Boxing match, wrestling match? Is he a gladiator? What kind of fight is Paul getting into? Is it something like that? Well, the answer is no. What he's talking about here, this fight that we're to be in is a spiritual battle that each and every one of us need to be involved in. He talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, 
when he says, we are not fighting against what? We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, I've shared this verse with you before that when I started to memorize it in the NIV, I noticed that there was an acrostic that I could make out of it. And it's sort of a, a sad acrostic to make out of it, but it actually act, it describes what this is all about. Anybody remember the uh, acrostic that I came up with from this one? It's the word rape, R-A-P-E, rape. Who are we b- battling against? Not flesh and blood, rulers, authorities, powers, evil. Not here, but in the heavenly realms. R-A-P-E, rulers, authorities, powers, evil. I want you to think about what is rape. Rape is somebody else forcing themselves upon you, taking away your dignity, taking away your humanity, forcing themselves. And isn't that what Satan's trying to do to us? force himself upon us, take away our dignity, take away our worth. I know, you know, some of you ladies may have experienced something like this. And there was nothing you could do about that. Somebody bigger and stronger than you forced themselves upon you. But it wasn't your fault. But what we have to understand about Satan is that Satan wants to force himself upon us, but we have the power over him. Unlike humans getting raped, where you can't do anything about it, as human beings, when Satan comes and he tries to take away our humanity and our dignity and force himself upon us, we have the same spirit in us that raised Christ from the dead, a power that is so much greater than Satan. And so we can resist Satan. We don't have to give in to what it is that he's trying to do to us. And so Paul says, look, I have fought the good fight. No matter what Satan threw at me, I was able to resist him. Paul realized that, man, this is a battle that I'm facing all the time. But he resisted. And trust me, Paul knew what it was to be in the battle. Acts chapter 14, we read about uh, Paul. He is stoned by his enemies to the point that they think he's dead and they drag what they think is his lifeless body outside of the city gates to just let him rot there outside of the city. Turns out he wasn't dead. Other followers of Jesus come and they help him to recuperate. Does Paul give up and say, I'm not preaching Jesus anymore? No, what's he do? He goes out and he just keeps on boldly proclaiming the word of God. Get to Acts chapter 28 then. Paul gets shipwrecked. Everybody thinks they're going to die. Paul's like, no, no, no. We're not dying here. And by the way, this wasn't the first time that he was shipwrecked. He was actually shipwrecked two other times in his life. But does he say, man, I'm never going out on the high seas again because, you know, I I could die out there. No, what's he do? He just keeps on going. 
doesn't matter. He's going to preach the word of God to as many people as he possibly can. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we read about Paul. He's whipped five different times, or he's actually giving his testimony in, in there in uh, 2 Corinthians 11. He's whipped five different times, 40 lashes minus the one. Most people don't survive that. He had it five times. And he says in three other times, he was beaten with rods. But does he give up? Does he say the battle is too much for me? No, he says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in me. Greater who is in me than he who is in the world. And he just keeps on going. He's fighting the good fight. I mean, how, how did Paul sustain such a healthy rhythm in the face of all this adversity? Well, the answer is he didn't allow the things of the world and the bad circumstances of the world that he faced to weigh him down. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 3, we read this. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with what? Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on who? We keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the what? Because of the... The joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. This was Paul's recipe for fighting the good fight. He pressed on, he endured, he kept his eyes on Jesus. And he was reminded that all Jesus went through on the cross, and uh, actually, the, the writer of Hebrews here says that in Jesus, he saw the joy in it all. Even in the cross, he had joy. And I've shared this with you before. Joy and, and happiness are completely different things. Happiness has to do with your circumstances. Joy has to do with Jesus and that relationship with God the Father. That's where our joy comes from. See, nothing can defeat us in the spiritual battle that we face because we have the joy of Jesus. Jesus endured the joy of the cross. I mean, think about that. Was that the word you would use about the cross as joy? Probably not. Again, Jesus wasn't happy on the cross. He says, my father, why have you forsaken me? Why? He was in anguish. He's not happy, but his joy was still there. And he was able to keep on because his eyes were on Jesus. I was meeting with someone this week, and we were having a conversation about this, and they were talking about, like, with, with Peter, and, and they said, well, and, you know, Peter, when he was walking on the water, he lost faith. And I said, well, you, you sort of got the story right, but actually he didn't lose faith. Peter was the one that was in the boat that had faith, enough faith to say to Jesus, hey, can I come out on the water? Can I walk on the water with you? And Jesus says, come on out. The water's warm, right? <laughs> he, Peter's walking on the water. He had tremendous amount of faith. And it wasn't that he lost faith. What did he do? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He started to look at the wind. He started to look at the waves. He started to look at the circumstances that were around him. And that's when he sunk. And Jesus rescued him, even in the midst of that. 
And that's, again, what the, the author here in Hebrews is, is saying, is that we've got to keep our eyes focused on Jesus at all times. It doesn't matter what's going on. No matter what the circumstances are, keep your eyes on Jesus, because when you do that, your joy will remain. So again, Paul here, he's like, man, I'm fighting the good fight. And that is how he won the battle. Number two then, I must finish the race. As we read here at the beginning, Paul knew that his time on the earth was coming to an end. And as he's looking back on his life in reflection, he says to Timothy, look, I held nothing back. I laid it all out there, but it was God who sustained me to the very end. It wasn't about me and my power and my strength, and I think I can, I think I can, or I'm going to try a little bit harder. No, it was Jesus and his spirit in me that sustained me until the end. Again, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I've seen it through the years so often. People come in the Exponential or I'll see them elsewhere that they get all excited about Jesus for a year or two or three or maybe even five. But then the tough times of life come, the hard circumstances of life come, a little bit of adversity, and they give up and they don't persevere to the very end. But listen, Jesus didn't promise us a, a pain-free life. You know, I... I was thinking this week that, you know, we've been talking about pace and, and sort of the, the, the cadence that we're in, and Jesus wants to help us to, to get to our destination as easily as we can, but a lot of us, we think that it's like, have you ever been to the airport and they have those people movers? You know what I'm talking about, the moving sidewalks, right? And so you're able to walk on them, and you go a little bit faster when, when you're on it, but you know what we think oftentimes? We think that we can just stand on that sucker, that's how our life is, that we can just sort of stand there and we're just sort of going to drift into where we need to be. That isn't how it works at all. It's not going to be an easy ride. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have adversity. You're going to have some pain and difficulty. In fact, that's what Jesus said to us in John 16, verse 33. He says, while you are in the world, you will have to suffer, but cheer up, I have defeated the world. And so we know from the life of Paul, we know from the words of Jesus here, that trouble is going to come our way. And so that's why in the race of life, we've got to learn to persevere and persist, not only in our relationship with Jesus, but in our relationship with others and with his church, because that's the only way we're going to maintain a healthy and sustainable pace. Now, I hope during tough times, you'll be reminded of these great words in Psalm 91, verses 1 to 2, where the psalmist writes this, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. The psalmist makes it clear here that God and God alone is our place of refuge and safety when trouble comes our way. That God is is the one that, you know, when, when you're running a marathon, have you ever seen like in a marathon, there's those people that volunteer to just hand out water. They're just standing there. So those people are racing by. There's somebody there with a cup of cold water for them. That's Jesus for you in your life. That as you're running this race of life, Jesus is like, here's a cup of cold water. And Jesus himself said that rivers of living water flow out of me. He is that nourishment. He is that refreshment that you need. 
And, you know, if you're out running a marathon, especially in weather like what we have right now, that it's like hot and humid, man, there's going to be some times that you may need a little bit of shelter, a little bit of shade. And the psalmist says here, he is our shade. He is our shelter. That we can rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Jesus is everything that you need in this life. But we have got to rely on him and what he offers to us so that we have the strength to continue on in our race and not to give up. Number three, then, I must keep the faith. Paul says, look, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. But then I think the thing he was most proud of is he says, I have kept the faith. And the reason I say that is I think that this last one of keeping the faith actually is the summation of the first two, basically. That he knew pain and he knew hardship. He knew all the ways that, that Satan had tried to distract him, but he had kept his eyes on Jesus. He had persevered. He knew that God would protect him, that, that God would give him that nourishment and that, that water that he needed to, to continue on. Paul writes this then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. The Lord can be trusted to make you strong and to protect you from harm. And so in your life, you got to remember that I've got to keep the faith, not because you're strong, not because you're powerful, not because you're fast. We don't do that because of us. We do it because of his faithfulness. He is the one that's faithful to keep us going to the very end. Now, as I begin to wrap up today and, and wrapping up the, the series here, I want you to remember that Paul was chasing after a prize that was not of this world. It was a heavenly prize, and he encourages you and I to chase after that same heavenly prize as well. And so here's a couple questions for you then. First, how much do you want the heavenly prize? How much do you want it? Are you willing to fight the good fight? Are you willing to, to finish the race? Are you willing to keep the faith no matter what that may mean? Paul here, he faced significant challenges, but he had a healthy rhythm, this healthy cadence that kept him going to the very end. He was always in step with the Holy Spirit. He understood the power and the limitations of his own body. He understood the circadian rhythms. He understood, you know, what it meant to take a nap. You know, we read about napping in the Bible. Jesus took naps. Others took naps. It's okay to take a nap. Understand those physical limitations. Paul understood then the, 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 uh, the healthy cadence with relationships with others. In fact, a lot of the scriptures that we read last week, and in fact, throughout the series, Paul himself was the one that wrote these various things. And so we have got to remember everything that we've talked about these past three weeks. How to keep a healthy rhythm, a healthy cadence. That's what's going to help us to fight the good fight to finish the race, to keep the faith. Here's another question for you then. What changes would you need to make in your life in order for you to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith? Is it something we've talked about in the series here? Is it something else that the Spirit has been convicting you about? You know that you're supposed to change it, but yet you haven't been changing it? What do you need to change? What is the Holy Spirit of God right now saying to you that you need to change in order to keep a healthy rhythm and a healthy cadence in your life? 
no matter what it is, and we talked about this last week, it's going to require some discipline. It takes discipline to keep going, to, to keep the pace that God would have you to go at. And that's hard. Being intentional about your schedule, it's hard. But again, Jesus has given us a helper, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the, the, the air that we breathe, literally. Pneuma is the, the Greek word for spirit. It's also the word for air. So he is the air that we breathe. When we're running the, the, the race, remember me, I got down the back stretch of my, that 400-meter race, and I'm huffing and puffing. The Spirit of God is literally that oxygen mask that we can put on that gives us new strength and new hope and new encouragement that, no, I can keep on going. Again, not because of me, but all because of him. It's the Spirit of God that helps to lighten the load that we face and that we're carrying through this adventure called life. So let me wrap up then with one final thing, one final encouragement to you. And I'll start with a question. How many of you ever run a marathon? Anybody here ever run a, a full marathon? Don't say any hands. Maybe some of you online have. How many of you ever thought about running a marathon? I, I've thought about running it. I haven't done it. But I've thought, at least thought about it, right? Here's the thing. Whether you've done it or you haven't done it, how many of you know that you don't just wake up on a Saturday morning and go, you know what? Today I think I'll run a marathon, Right? You don't do that. If you tried, you'd probably get hurt, injured in, in some way. Because you, you you've got to train for a marathon. You've got to learn the pace and the, the rhythm of how to keep going in a marathon. Let me ask you another question. How many of you today could probably go out onto the track and complete an entire lap on the track? Now, it may not look pretty, it may not be fast. You may have to walk the whole thing, but probably all of us could make an entire lap around the track, and we didn't do any training. But see, that the problem that we have so often with life is that we think that life is a sprint. We think that life is just making one lap around the track, and we don't really have to think about it. But life isn't a sprint. Life is a marathon. And so again, that's what this entire series has been about. Many of you, you're running as hard as you can. You got this thing you're doing. You got that thing that you're doing. You're run, 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 run. It's this unsustainable pace. And yes, maybe you can occasionally finish the little sprint, but the long-term race, the marathon of life, you're on your way to burnout. And you don't want to be like me in that 400-meter race when I was in the sixth grade and that you collapse before you get to the finish line. All of us want to get to that finish line and hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And none of us, I don't care who we are, if we're going at an unsustainable pace, the biological rhythms, the relational rhythms, all those other things that we've talked about, if we keep going at that wrong pace, we're eventually going to burn out, not just physically, but in our faith as well. Again, I don't care who you are. I don't care, what, I don't care that I've been you know, a pastor for 23 years now. If I don't go at the pace that God would have for me to go, I will burn out and I will give up on my relationship with Jesus. All of us 
We've got to find the rhythm, the cadence, the pace that God would have for us to go so that we can get to the very end. And so that requires something completely different than what we've been doing throughout our lives. It requires us digging into God's word and finding what does life look like according to him. Because remember, he's the one that created us. How do we best know how to use a creation? You ask the creator. And so we got to keep on going. Learn God's cadence for your life. Keep going to the very end. So at that finish line, you will receive that prize that he has promised. And you'll hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this entire series and that, uh, Lord, this has been tough. I've had some people share with me that this has been tough to hear some of these things. Uh, You've been convicting people pretty hard about just this unsustainable pace that they're trying to go at. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak and that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, Lord, but we would actually be doers of your word, that we would say, all right, no matter how hard it is to make some of these changes, I'm going to make the changes because I want to get into the rhythm, the pace that Jesus would have for me to go at. Help me to to go at the speed of Jesus. And sometimes that's going to be fast, sometimes that's going to be slow, but I just need to be in his rhythm and his pace so that I can make it to the very end. So, Lord, again, I don't know what that means for each and every person that's here or those that are watching online, but you do. So continue to speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our lives, and then give us the boldness and the courage to make those changes that we need to make. Lord, we thank you for great men like the Apostle Paul who finished the race and gave us such encouraging words of how we too can finish our own race and keep the faith. Fight the good fight. So, Lord, help us to do that, to to realize that in the midst of whatever spiritual battles we may be facing, that, Jesus, you are the general. You are the one in charge, and you're going to give us the directions that we need to go out and fight that battle and win the battle, not because of our own strength, but because your spirit is working in and through us. And again, Jesus, help us to, to, to finish the race. Help us to keep the faith no matter what happens. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you, Jesus, because you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. Help us to keep joy in our lives no matter what happens. Jesus, it's all about you. So help us in this race of life to keep the pace so we can get to that finish line and receive the prize that you have awaiting for us. Relationship with you forever and ever and ever in a place where there is no more sin, sickness, disease, death, pain, struggles, hardship, adversity. It's all gone. And we're there with you face to face. Jesus, we look forward to that day. We look forward to it. Help us in this short time here on this planet to go at the pace that we need to be going at so that we can get there. Thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.